Hi, I'm Rajneesh. And I'm Bridget. Welcome to Terra Science, the podcast where reality matters. It's a pleasure to have uh, Gary Singh with me today. Uh, Gary Singh is a council member at Mantika. Mantika is a city uh, about 70 miles east of San Francisco and not too far from Sacramento. So it's centrally located. Uh, houses are still affordable somewhat here and, and life is quite nice. So uh, I think it's, it's a uh, poised to be a, a growing city. It is already a growing city. If I read my numbers correctly, uh, the population has increased by 20 or 25% in the past uh, five, six or 10 years. So um, Gary is a council member, like I said, and he is also running uh, to be the mayor. And the election, as we know, is November 8th. And uh, everyone should go out and vote, especially if you're in Manteca. You have some really good candidates. And uh, this is the second uh, podcast uh, in the series. Um, we had one with uh, Mayor Ben uh, Hentu earlier, which was posted today. Uh, and we have Gary, who's the second uh, contender. And then we'll also plan one for Bill Leanne Larson. So uh, with this, I would like to um, welcome Gary. And uh, before we start our discussion, we always ask our guests to tell us about their journey, how they got here, uh, what is the exciting thing that they have in their mind uh, at the moment? So, Gary. All right, definitely. You know, first, before I start on anything, I, I want to thank Rajneesh and uh, and to allow me the opportunity to speak to you and uh, and your uh, Terra Science Project groups and the podcast that you have put together. Um, I definitely think uh, this is a great platform and you guys are doing some awesome things uh, to move our community forward and throughout uh our region and um, and I love some of the stuff that I've actually looked at already. Um, so let's talk about uh, Gary Singh and how I came yes. about and why am I so crazy to want to do this today? Yes. Um, so you know, growing up, I'm I'm a Valley kid my whole life. Uh, my journey really doesn't start with me; it starts with my father. Uh, my my father comes from small business background. Uh, came here first generation. Uh, really was you know, and uh, started working on farms as a, as a young, young person when he immigrated to this country. And then from there, he decided he had that bug to be an entrepreneur. So he started his own small business. He used to work for a company called Winchell's, uh, which was the, those days of Krispy Kremes, a donut shop type thing. Then he opened up his own donut shop. And that's around the time that me and my mom actually came here to America. Uh, I was three years old. Uh, when oh, I came oh. to America. So uh, I was not born here, but I was definitely um, pretty much been raised here my whole life. Um, that was in Tracy. And then I, from there, we moved to Lathrop, um, kind of did some of the moving like you were, you're doing, but I only, I did it just in the Valley. Um, so went from Tracy to Lathrop. I, I went to Lathrop school as a kid and then went to Sierra high school here in Manteca. Uh, we've owned our small business here in town, a convenience store, my dad's owned that now for 36 years. Mm -hmm. um, so grew up in small business my whole life. After uh, I graduated as Sierra High School in 2000, I was the millennial class, which makes fits for me because I am a millennial myself. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. from there, I went to University of Pacific mm -hmm. and came out of there with a business degree. And uh, I, well, made 
concentrated in uh, law and uh, financing with a real estate background and with that. And then I also did a minor in biochemistry because, you know, oh. I'm Indian, so I had to become a doctor, you know, so that's kind of normal, right? So <laughs> uh, unfortunately, <laughs> didn't go that route. And, uh, you know, my parents are probably not too happy with me on that one. Um, but came out of college and went into real estate and uh, worked with that. And, and then we still ran our family business and never really thought about politics, wasn't a politician, wasn't really, um, nobody in my family has ever been in politics. Um, I'm just more of a business person that uh, saw an opportunity coming for our community, for our city. Um, also thought an opportunity to basically represent individuals, especially the small business community, because I've seen so much of them that are so busy doing working in their businesses and putting on many hats but not ever realizing that there's decisions that are made at the government level that affect their business every day and that's kind of how I transitioned into this I started as a planning commissioner for the okay. city um, that was about almost 10 years ago from today and um, so I got appointed as a planning commissioner and and then you know even then I never thought I was going to run for anything or be a council member or anything, but uh, sitting in planning commission, seeing some of the aspects of how we develop our communities um, and looking at some some of the things that I thought was very outdated on how we did things, um, I kind of pushed the envelope a little bit. and uh, But then also saw that uh, I was the young planning commissioner. Everybody else on the commission was much, much older than I was. Uh, so I had maybe a different perspective of thinking. Um, and from there, uh, I saw that a lot of times, as you may know, being on a commission, we are not the final voice. A lot of the decisions that we make go to the city council. And a lot of times the decisions that we did make uh, were flipped back because the council didn't agree with us. And, and I guess that's basically where the urge started. Being, you know, I, I guess I can't solve it here. I need to figure out a way to get up there and maybe be part of the solution. And mm -hmm. that's how the council trend started. I, I was a young guy running for council um, on a business platform and, and then just kind of went from there and didn't really, uh, you know, probably not a lot of people thought I was going to win, um, but I, I did end up winning originally and um, ended up being actually the youngest uh, elected official in the city of Manteca. Um, and again, uh, I re-ran for re-election in 2020. And um, so today, uh, my seat is actually good until 24. But uh, this year, the mayor's seat was up and I've kind of been there now. I'm, I'm still the youngest uh, person on the council today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, now I'm actually the most tenured also. So I'm the tenured <laughs> youngest. <laughs> so right. good. Well, <laughs> Well, that's good. So you know that 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 is a good experience uh, in uh, in the first in the planning commission, then also in the council. Right. So um, so tell us, you know, what is your vision in, in the next four years? What do you see as you know? We can dig deeper into some of those topics, but just more like a list of menu of things that you may have in your mind that you would like to cover in the next four years. Yeah. So definitely. Um... I think the biggest thing, and you've probably heard me talk about it before, is really figuring out how do we become a very sustainable city, a community. Uh, we are growing, like you said. Um, 
currently we are 88,000 in population. Um, when I was much younger, uh, you know, it was a lot smaller than this, but maybe not as small as some of my counterparts that have been part of this community a lot longer than I've been on earth. Um, but uh, still seeing, you know, there, there's, there's this, uh, uh, we got to find that middle ground because, you know, there's this push, push and pull going on where we have individuals that, uh, that, that you would call the originals of Manteca and that's seen this community and it's a farming community background that, you know, have seen it as a small community that was a, you know, a, a town that's now grown into a city and they don't like it. And then at the other side, you do have growth and it's coming and it's inevitable, I believe. Mm -hmm. It's also, you know, instead of fighting it, we should be part of the solution and figure out how it's going to be more sustainable for our city mm -hmm. and how we're going to make sure that it doesn't turn into some crazy urban sprawl that is uncontrollable. And uh, that's where I think a lot of my topics of things that we're, we can discuss come from that aspect of how do we make sure what we're doing today um, is is what our kids are going to be proud of in the future. And, and that maybe comes from just being the younger one, being a, we are called the family city of Manteca. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think I represent that being as a family man and being having young kids in our community that go to school here. Uh, I'm trying to set as the kid that went to school here and grew up in the city and now moving forward, um, you know, I'm raising the next generation. I'm just figuring out what is that next generation going to look like and what kind of Manteca we're going to leave them. So important topics, of course. Um, um, as you know, we, we've been growing residentially uh, tremendously. Uh, currently, there's over 10,000 allotted lots already entitled in this community. Um, but the shift needs to happen. We, um, I don't know if you watched one of my series where we had talked about that uh, we're growing residentially and we're becoming very one-sided but in that aspect it's not sustainable because uh property taxes that is one of the sources of revenue for any of the municipalities um is not sustainable because especially in our county in our city our property tax share agreement with our county is an 80 20 split oh. where 80 percent of your property taxes actually go to the county mm -hmm. and 20 percent of them only come to the city so whenever somebody tells me, uh, you know, I pay my taxes, why aren't we getting all these amenities and services? Well, you pay your taxes, except for they go to the county, most of them, and they're not here. Okay. So that's going to be one of our fights also. So the way I always look at this is, what can we do today to fix whatever we're trying to do with what we have? And then what are we going to do to make those changes so the future uh, generations and the future council members and the bodies are do not deal with the same problems that we have today. So that would be kind of my growth uh, issue today where we need to fix that um, uh, split with our county and, and do something that's more sustainable. Um, the aspect of that is also because we are a full service city, meaning mm -hmm. that we provide, uh, you know, police, fire, uh, public safety, um, your sewer water, your garbage services, everything is provided by the city of Manteca. There's nothing really sent out. Um, so my question is, you know, what are we getting for that 80% that we're sending out to the county? Um, so that that will be one of those pushes. The next push really is going to be this transition. We need to understand that we are a city mm -hmm. and we need to start acting like one. And we, we are not a small community anymore. 
So it's very important to understand that if we're going to become one-sided, we need to shift away from that and go into more commercial and commerce growth and sales tax revenue for the city side, but also a better quality of life for our citizens because you know, every day we have 120,000 vehicles that go down Highway 120 and 205 mm -hmm. down to the Altima to go to the Bay Area and, and the impacts that that puts on not only the environment, but also on the quality of life for the individuals that spend, you know, anywhere from four to eight hours on the road and probably longer on the road than that work. Yeah. Uh, that is just not sustainable. And I'm, 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 I'm one of them. You're one of them, right? So you can you you feel the pain, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So so how do we? It's going to be twofold. How do we attract um, those companies and those individuals that are on the other side? Hey, we have land for them. We have their workforce here. Why are you not bringing your manufacturing jobs, your IT sector jobs to the valley instead of? And you could probably get away with maybe not paying as much. Um, because you're going to save a lot of money as from gas and all of that. Um, and at the same time, you now the individual side. So it's a win-win. It's a win for the for those companies out there to come into our valley. But on the other side, it's also a win for the residents because they can now spend more time and be part of our community instead of, unfortunately, people just like you, I call them zombies because they only come to our community to sleep. And they're literally going back and forth all the time. <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, well, they never really understand what's happening in Manteca and they never take part of the local things because they're too tired by the time they get to that yeah. point. Well, uh, luckily, you know, I, I only commute two times a week and I spend four days a week or, you know, less rest of the uh, uh, five days a week actually in Manteca. So I can work remotely, fortunately, but not everyone can do that. But, uh, right. but th those are those are great points. So let's let's start uh, delving a little bit deeper into these issues, yes. which I think are really important. So, uh, you know, um, I mentioned earlier um, uh, before we were talking that I used to live in Livermore and there was a transition in Livermore where exactly the same thing was happening. And uh, Livermore dealt with it in its own way. Um, you know, now there are, I don't know if you drive by there, there are all these house, stacked townhomes and houses. Oh, and, yeah. uh, you know, and they're all going to the same freeways, same roads. Uh, one of the things that Livermore wanted to do was to bring companies and uh, which they've been able to do somewhat um, successfully. The challenge is employees, right? So the reason Bay Area has all those companies is because I, I have a company, um, you know, actually I, I moved my company here already. So, but uh, still because most of the people can work remotely, the access to UC Berkeley, Stanford and people that you want to hire so I think I think you know those people may eventually also be accessible um, in Manteca, but we need to create an environment or or uh, um, bring in more uh, ways of uh, uh, you know how to say it like a like a educational um, systems institutions in in the city and that that goes in many directions. Let's say mm -hmm. even if there's a community center. Well, the reason I started this channel Terra Science mainly mm -hmm. because I wanted to inform people about all the things that are out there that can solve our problems. Right. Because most of the time on social media, we only hear about problems. We don't hear about solutions. Oh, I know. So, <laughs> so, so if, 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 you know, you, you have some solutions and, and if we can have uh, people doing their work, living in the same city, having a better quality life, but then we, we need to have 
uh, information exchange uh, within the community to learn what uh, what opportunities and options are available. Right. No, and I agree with you completely. I, I mean, you know, it comes multiple folds. Uh, uh, what you're cre- thinking of is the concept that I've thought about before. Is, and, you know, we need to have that think tank. Yeah. We, we, we need a way to show that there's more to the world out there than just what we see in the Central Valley. Um, and, and the other biggest issue that you just hit on is that um, the workforce and the educated workforce that you are looking for, uh, I think it is here or it's our kids. They're here. But the problem right. is we send them off to college and they don't come back. <laughs> And, and so we got to make those environments happen where they can find those jobs here where they want to come back to the community that they grew up. Why do people always only want to come back here when to retire? You know, but when our kids go off to Ivy League colleges or anywhere else and uh, when they get done, they don't want to come back to our community because the jobs aren't here. And right. so it's a double, it's a, it's a chicken and egg thing, right? You're saying yeah. I, you can't find the workforce, but the workforce is saying they can't find the jobs. Right. So, so we gotta we gotta start molding and creating that environment where uh, we can show individuals on both sides when, and that is maybe partnering with our local universities here and creating those uh, programs where early on, before they even get to the graduation level, showing that you know they can come back and work within the community that they live in, um, and they necessarily don't need to move away and still make the same amount of money. Or even if they're making a little bit less, at least the cost of living is much cheaper here than other places. On the other side, same thing with those companies. I think that's mm-hmm. where opportunity is going to be for us is that looking at economic development, we, I, I'm actually proposing even moving forward that we're going to create something that's, we have our economic development department, but we're trying to make it even more robust where we actively go pursue companies um, and market to them. I mean, my day job, I'm a real estate broker guy. So that's what I do. I market our city all day long. But mm-hmm. there's so much good things happening in our community and in, in the city. And and like you mentioned earlier on, the central location of Manteca is key. That is right. why we are pretty much dead center in California, yeah. right there in the middle. Within an hour or two hours, if there was no traffic, you can basically go to the ocean, the mountains, go into Sacramento. And, you know, you are blessed with so many things being right here in the middle. And that's what we need to sell to those companies saying, hey, look, we have the land, we have your workforce, or we'll make that workforce happen with the institutional knowledges and the educational side. And and the other thing that we can help from a city's perspective is, hey, if you wanna develop here, we're gonna work with our planning departments and get streamline that process where Mm -hmm. your time to market will be much faster here, meaning that the day you say, hey, we want to open up this type of business or this company here, we'll get you approved through our processes through the city within the next six months, not two, three years down the road. And that's been a biggest thing that I've learned in real estate, too, is time is money. And it's not always mm-hmm. just some tax sharing agreements or something. It's how quickly can I be up and running? And right. that's yep. what I think we can sell from a city's perspective also. And yeah. Those are good points, and and thanks for bringing up the uh, the workforce aspect of it because you're right. I think you know there are there is uh, brain waves uh, that maybe leave rather than stay, and and um, th- that's that's important for I think all the parents as well. They they rather have their children stay closer to them than than right. move out for jobs somewhere else. So um, so another thing then uh, another advantage of this 
uh, is the aspect of uh, you know carbon footprint. You know, uh, okay. I know that not everyone may agree whether there is global warming or not. <laughs> that is not not the issue. Uh, we are not right. we are not talking about that at all. What we are talking about is um, how we live our lives. And you know, if, if we are driving, we are spending a lot of time and burning more gas, which is more and more expensive. And I don't see it going down anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, so uh, you know, uh, being able to commute within the city. So as as these things happen, the changes of public transportation thing, uh, uh, you mentioned that before a little bit. So what right. are your plans on that? Yeah, so that that's that right there, what you just said is, you know, yes, everybody may not agree with global warming or carbon footprint, or, but I think one thing everybody can agree on is traffic, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows, and that that's not a partisan issue that is traffic is here and we need to do something about it so again it's it's what are we going to do today and what are we going to do in the future so today you know some of the things that i've looked at is that i've always been a big believer of public transportation yeah you know if we can get a bus service that we have currently we have four different uh, routes within our community for our bus service that run consistently one of the biggest things when i remember when i first got elected our bus service here locally was um, not very uh, well used because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it really wasn't, the issue was is that um, I don't think anybody took it seriously, the public transportation side. They just thought of it as just something to have because we got federal dollars for it to spend mm-hmm. and we can use some of those funding to also repair streets because buses run on streets. But they never thought about the actual use of the public transportation for actually being a benefit to the community. A lot of times it ended up just being a uh, service for seniors. So one of the first things that we really did is that we changed the way we look at public transportation. And then also to create demand for that, we actually made sure and fixed our routes where they actually go to things that people want to go to. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, we didn't even have a service that used to go to South of 120 at one time. Mm -hmm. There was nothing going on to that side because the perception was, oh, that everybody that lives over there has a car, so they don't need to use public transportation. Uh, we didn't have our buses actually go to our shopping centers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, didn't go to the movie theater, the Bass Pro Shop areas, didn't go to the Costco's. Um, so now today our bus services go to a lot of those centers. They go to the Boys and Girls Club. They go to the Senior Center. They go to DMV. They go to places that you may want to go to. And they're on a fixed route, meaning every hour you can get to those places. And the other thing that I'm, and you, you're probably right there, is I, I love technology. Mm-hmm. And, and the one thing that we pushed for that is having an app for our bus yep. service where you can sit right. there and you can see where is the bus at it's while you're sitting at a bus stand waiting, when is it going to come here and where is it going to go? So, so that was another big push that we try to make. Um, the other thing that, that I recently brought on board was that we we included our bus service to actually start going to all of our schools. Mm-hmm. Being a commuter town right now, unfortunately, uh, you know, a lot of parents may not have the ability to drop off their kids to school. And if your school is not within that parameter, of what a school board believes that you should be provided bus, school bus service. Well, every one of our buses goes to every one of our high schools now. Mm-hmm. And so oh, that's good. And, yeah. and right now we were actually able to get a grant where it's free for students. Yeah. So now you can that's use transportation instead of having everybody lugging their kids in their car 
and having all those cars show up at all these schools and and creating creating traffic and right. mayhem, um, you have a public transportation service that runs from morning all the way to evening, so you, it covers both sides. So that that's some things that we're doing locally. Um, the other big game changer that's going to happen for our city is ACE train. So mm -hmm. starting next year, ACE train is actually <clears throat> going to stop in downtown Manteca, right there at our transit center on Moffitt. Mm -hmm. um, I really believe that is going to become a big game changer for this city because that ACE train, once it is all said and done, we, we were talking about education earlier, that ACE train will go all the way to Merced mm -hmm. from this side. So now you can go to the Merced University, Stanislaus University, MJC. It's going to stop Turlock. It's going to stop in Modesto, Ripon. And then it's going to interconnect here where it will be able to go all the way to Sacramento. Mm -hmm. And on the other side, take it to the bay. Yep. And so that's how we can start creating those communities that we were talking about, where you're not relying on just cars and vehicles. And you can create, and I've kind of written about this before. I don't know if you've ever, I think you read that one, where I was talking about a vertical village concept community, where you're not just relying on cars and buses or your own transportation mode, but the idea of that you may not need anything. You just mm -hmm. are relying on public transportation where you're living in like our downtown concept that I had was right across from our transit center, we should be building a, a vertical way of where commercial is on the bottom, residential is on top, and we mm -hmm. go vertically up where individuals can live there, go and um, you know eat, shop in our downtown, take the train to go to work, and then come back home and now you've created that demand and the supply will show up and where you know you create those transit centers completely um with the, with my village concept and that's also where you can work on that carbon footprint that we were talking yeah. about because now guess what the traffic's not there because you don't need a car anymore and you can just walk everywhere <laughs> locally and and also i think it builds communities and oh. and you have this as a community um, so that's another opportunity, I think, for 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 the immediate being of how we're going to bring people to um, allow them to get to job centers, mm -hmm. but at the same time and not be a burden on our highways um, and, and our streets. Um, at the same time, uh, you know, we're doing our part in um, in the environment aspect of it, or at least our part in making sure there's no traffic craziness going on. Um, and then the long run, like I said, is, of course, um, you know, working with those companies and saying, hey, look, look at all these people that commute. Look at all these people that use our ACE train to you. Why don't you come here? And one other big thing I think I want to talk about when it comes to that aspect is is fiber. You know, if we're going to bring jobs and work uh, and those companies to come here, we have a fiber line that runs right along our rail tracks here in Manteca. Mm -hmm. And we have started to work together in attaching to that and creating a fiber network. Uh, a few years back, we actually created a uh, dig once policy. Mm -hmm. uh, what that means is basically whenever we do a street or we do any kind of work, uh, at that time, while we already have it dug out, we put conduit in. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so that way, in the future, when we're ready to put fiber lines in, you don't have to dig it up again. Right. And that's yep. how you create your fiber network throughout the city. And that way you can one day offer 
you know, great speeds of internet for what these companies are looking for to come here. And at the same time, you at one day, the vision is to hopefully offer public internet uh, to the community. And yeah. that's going to be, I think, another thing that's going to allow those businesses to want to come into our community and not anywhere else. Yeah, no, those, those, those are really good ideas. Um, and I just want to backtrack a little bit. Those are really good ideas. So I don't want to lose track of the last. I know I'm throwing said. a lot at you. <laughs> no, no, but that's good. So I'm going to backtrack. Uh, I want to support the idea of the S-Train, first of all, because uh, I lived in Tracy. Uh, so, you know, like you, I've been moving more eastwards, uh, Livermore, Tracy, Ventiga. But when I was in Tracy, I was a transportation commissioner. And the reason I became that was because I used to take the S-Train. I work uh, at Stanford. So I used to take the S-Train and I would have to change uh, somewhere, but it was much more convenient. I can work. It has Wi-Fi. And, yeah. uh, you know, things things changed uh, during COVID. So obviously, you know, we have to pay more attention to public transportation, how, how we do those things in the days of pandemics. But the problem was uh, the buses that were running that were connecting the, the center of the city to the S-Trains. The, the, usually the buses will arrive after the train leaves. I don't know who was making the plans. So like <laughs> ten, 10 minutes after the train leaves, that's when the bus arrives. So then you have to wait another 45 minutes for the next train or you, you have to come. So I, I was like, who, who is doing this? So that's that why on I went the on there. The side or in the Bay side? No, that was on the Tracy side. Wow. Uh, that was, uh, yeah, that was on the Tracy side. So things have changed a lot. So the other thing that was happening, and I was a big proponent of that uh, in my you know serving as a commissioner there, was to work on the app. And it was so difficult because like you were saying before, everything has to go through the council. Uh, all the ideas are, are, you know, modified, changed. So, uh, you know, my, my question, which you just said, you, you, you went through really wonderful ideas. How much of that is actually feasible? And these things are not easy to do in four years, but, you know, they take longer, but the right. vision is important. But to be able to do them, um, you have to have the support of others and they have right. to see the same thing. So, you know, th that, that's the challenge. Correct. You're right. And that's why I think that it, it's all how you sell it, right? And how you tell people of the vision. Yes, what I'm saying today, it's not going to happen tomorrow. Um, but, uh, you know, some of those things that I've talked about, we've already started implementing. It's not like yeah. I'm going from scratch. Um, I think we create the long-term vision and we and we put the parameters in place so that way, even future councils are following that through mm -hmm. because it's already there. And, and, and you know, the, the step-by-step -step processes are there. It may not happen in my time or, or the next time, but the goal is, is that as long as we have the overall vision that we're sticking with, it can be done. Um, I think I do have a very good council in place today, mm -hmm. uh, moving into the future where uh, these things are doable. I think there is, like I said earlier, there's this tug of war going on between old Manteca and new Manteca. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't think we need to forget either side. I think we can yeah. be a perfect uh, middle piece of where we can bring all of both of them together. There, they, right. I don't think it needs to be this tug of war. You know, honestly, you need just to bring both sides to the table and work together in creating the future Manteca. Um, right. So I, I think a lot of that is feasible. It's not pie in the sky ideas because it actually is already taking place. Mm -hmm. um, I think it will be great to have 
more people other than just me, but even when it comes to the constituency and the people and the public wanting to come and be part of the solution in the community um, and be part of also different commissions and different things that are going to come mm -hmm. as part of the councils. That way you can also be part of that think tank that I talked mm -hmm. about where um, I don't know all the answers and I don't know everything, mm -hmm. but you know what? I'm pretty sure there's a lot of smart people that live in our community with us that can provide and help with those answers. Um, yeah. But yeah, a lot of the things I think we, we've we already talked about, um, yeah. you know, ACE is coming, public transportation right. is there. Um, you know, we've seen the shift, it, it's happening. Um, so let's embrace it and, right. and let's move it forward instead of saying, pretending it's not happening. Right, no, no, it's important. I mean, the first first thing to do is uh, think of it and act on it and then, then uh, you know, just make it work. So, uh, you know, another th thing that is very close to personally to me is uh, I, I'm a plant scientist and uh, uh, right. I've, I've spent many years trying to uh, work with uh, researchers at uh, Berkeley as well at Stanford. And many of these uh, technologies and research, they stay in a box and in universities. It's very difficult because if it is not profitable and it's not it's not going to be adopted by a company, but you know, there, there are so many uh, wonderful ideas and technologies that can be used by cities to create a better plan where the trees are, like urban forests. Well, yes. when we are, especially as we are growing, you know, as we are making plans to put where to put houses, if we pay attention to where the water is flowing underground, where we have to water less to the trees, where we can have better, provide parks, local parks for community to come together, maybe even have an education center. So, new mm. ideas are being exchanged and then there is other technologies um you know which uh, i've been working on some as well but uh, and all these are free I, you know i'm not trying to promote or sell anything uh, no, most no, of no. everything i do but th there are but these days we can we are building a map of where who's growing what food how they're growing it because the distribution system is a huge problem as well the food distribution system and so restaurants and grocery stores, even if they, when they say local, that the local means 400 miles radius. <laughs> right. So, but, but there are local growers. I mean, um, you know, you go to the local farmer's market here, there are people coming from Watsonville, there are people coming from nearby, you know, and those, those fruits were uh, taken off uh, the plants not too long ago compared to something that's been shipped uh, a day or two or a week ago. And right. these things can be shown digitally and so allowing people to have access for free. I think so th these kinds of things uh, we can adopt as we grow our city. And, and if the council and people are open to this, um, this could be one of the first cities that turns this you know, dial up. And because we are, as in Manteca, you're facing a growth period. Uh, that's the right time to adopt these kinds of uh, technologies and work with universities and industries and as we start to work with them, obviously they will want to come here as well. Another reason. Yeah, no, you covered a lot there and uh, I'm going to try to see if I can bring it all together here. Um, yeah, no, I mean, you know, let's talk about first our food. Um, we are the agriculture community. We started as an agriculture community. Um, there, There's no need to, you know, when they talk about farm to fork, if, yeah. they're, if they're having farm to fork in San Francisco, um, yeah. I'm pretty sure they can have farm to fork in the Central Valley where the farm is. That's right. right. <laughs> so, Absolutely. So, so you're right. You know, we talked about uh, carbon footprint for, 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 you know, commuters and things like that. 
but you're right. There's a, there's another carbon footprint of how far our food has to travel to come right. here where we can grow it locally. There's no need right. for it exactly. to travel. Um, and then the other thing is I think also farming ag, we just need to understand that there's a shift right now. We are the pumpkin capital, but yes. at the same time, uh, suddenly we're starting to become the almond capital. But, mm -hmm. you know, is that really the best food, the best plant for this region when it comes to not maybe just on financial side, but on the sustainability side, because also those trees also take in a lot of water. Yeah. And so we have to understand the type of farming that we're doing and also look at, hey, maybe we look at some of the smaller farmers, some of the other ones and showing them the process of how we can partner with them to bring in those concepts locally into our community here instead of um, you know, having to go out for miles and miles, like you mentioned. Um, absolutely, that's, uh, sorry to interrupt there, but but you're absolutely right. And, and the reason for almonds and all these is economic benefits to the growers. Specialty mm -hmm. crop is the crop you know that we consume. Like if we go to farmer's market, all of that is specialty crop. The specialty crop farmers uh, don't make as much uh, because nope. they have to work harder. And the main reason is because they're not connected to the local uh, sources that can buy their products. So sorry, right. you're, you're, uh, you're right. So one way to change that is to connect them more with the restaurants and the grocery stores. Right. You know, I, there's I, always this thing about where we think that the farmer or the ag community is is enemies of the city because the city is bringing you know, development and urban sprawl. So they're taking them out of here. But I think this oh. is a great concept of having cities actually work together with our farmers right. where we can both coexist in these communities and actually be part of the solution together. So um, I think, yeah, definitely. I I would love to hear more about some of the technologies out there that can help us um, even on a lo local level that you were mentioning um, to figure out how we can do what we are doing. I, I'm a big guy on how to make things and processes uh, faster, easier, um, You know how to cut things out and making that whole thing more resilient instead of just right. uh, uh, you know, doing it because that's the way we've always done it. Um, and it so increases and it increases accountability. You know, you cut down the distance of where your mm -hmm. food is coming from. All of a sudden, accountability of where it came from increases. Right? Yeah, you know, if, I, if, so, I'm, if I'm getting my watermelon um, from Perry's Market here locally that grown right here in Manteca or my pumpkin, uh, you know, I know the Perry's. I can go say, hey, what's going on here? What's in this? Right, uh, right. Instead of getting it from Guatemala you know right, whatever right. right so yeah no definitely i think you, you you hit the nail right there um i think it's important that we sometimes kind of forget the whole farm to fork concept what that all of these urbanized big cities are trying to do is actually what we are we are You're right right <laughs> exactly so we don't want to lose that right we definitely don't want to lose that and that because that is our roots and that's where we started from Right. Um, the other one that you mentioned was, uh, you know, trees and lawns and, and, you know, the, the urban, the urban heat shed that we create basically with, with, um, the way the type of landscapings and buffers and that we do, um, I would be really interested in whatever technology that you have that helps us grow, uh, trees and plantations, because that's another issue that I've seen is, I like trees, but the problem is sometimes we we keep on following rules and trends that we plant certain types or we plant 
them in certain locations, which may not necessarily be the best location anymore. The biggest things when I see it in, say, neighborhoods or in front of your homes, we need to change our our uh, landscaping plans where we need to stop relying so much on this love for grass and landscape. Right. You know, it is, first of all, we are sandy soil and we are, we, we're supposed to be a desert, but, and we, sh and it's not normal for grass to be growing there. So we need to get, get away from, you know, that concept. And I think we can go into drought resistant landscaping, which also includes trees. And because on the long run, that that's how we can, lower our temp i mean i feel i think i've read something even before that having you know a an urban tree management plan and having more trees within a community actually lowers the temperature in that community um so i can see that concept coming where we we encourage you know as development is coming that hey uh, no more front yards front yards should not be just grass and, and also trees should not be put in right next to the sidewalk, right mm -hmm. next to the uh, water um, lines and the sewer lines, because that's just going to cause problems in the future with roots and everything. And then the other issue is a lot of times people, they don't get, they don't, they don't hate trees. They hate the problems that trees may create. But the problem is normally, I think it comes from us because of the type of tree that you ended up putting there or maybe it's not a deep rooted tree maybe it was right next to a sidewalk so we can do a better planning of that aspect and making sure what we plant where we plant it um where this actually could become very nice well I'll, I'll i'll throw in another another thought that you know we, we, we've been thinking about this for a long time uh and mm -hmm. uh, agroforestry which is trees that are fruit trees which grow food and, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, they can be in communities, even, you know, cities can plan them in a certain way. And then when the harvest, if the harvest is planned really well, guess what? Uh, don't sell, we don't have to sell it. Uh, that goes to food banks. Um, you know, uh, and we have digital systems like apps that we've been talking about. They can show, hey, this harvest is, was ready, come pick it up. Um, you know, it, it solves many more problems of homelessness, of access to food. Um, right. and so we, and we, you know, have, we have a food bank in this community, so it right. it would be a perfect partnership. Um, you know, the other side of that, I would say, is the the concept of a community garden. Yeah. I think that yeah. is another big win that we can do is that we can have individuals that like to do that yes. be part of the community and bring those different aspects and their knowledge of the one mm -hmm. of gardening and plants and and I think we can create a community garden. It's just getting, getting people to champion that within our community. And and then, like I said, like you said, you know, we don't need to sell that back. We can actually help. And, you know, homelessness is another topic we can go on for hours about. But, yeah. um, you know, we can bring that food back to helping the community, helping the needy, or even, you know, like right. you said, bring it back to our food bank. Um, uh, I think, again, it's, it's part of the whole aspect, the life cycle of, where we're helping each other within our right. community from right. beginning. Absolutely. Well, uh, this is great. I, like you said, we can go on for a very long time, <laughs> but um, you know, uh, anything else that you would like to talk about or cover? Um, you know what? I, I, I want to maybe cover a couple more topics on sustainability. Yeah. Again, um, I think we, we, we talked about the plants and everything. Um, another concept that I, I really feel 
Another one is, is we're facing a drought right now, so the water is very important to us. Um, we already kind of talked about the transition from lawns to you know more drought resistant landscaping. Um, the other one that's very near dear to me is, is our uh, reclaimed water and purple pipe project. Right. Uh, I think this is a concept that um, we've been pushing for a long time, and I think it's time to actually do it. Um, and, 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 you know, your audience is not familiar with it. It's basically taking our sewer treated plants, uh, their water that's running through the whole process and basically being dumped into the river at that point and mm -hmm. actually bringing that back into the community and using it for um, especially our parks uh, and, mm -hmm. and make sure that uh, we're watering our higher water uses for that aspect. Um, so one of the things that we are done recently is we actually just updated our north sewer trunk line that runs the north side of this community. And at the same time, you know, we kind of had talked about earlier, this dig once policy, uh, we, we used, when we put that line in, we also put a purple pipe project line in also, and that will help us take hopefully eventually water all the way to the north side of the community. But another big place that it will take water to is our golf course in the community. Mm -hmm. We will be able to take sewer treatment treated plant. And we have a tertiary process, by the way, in our sewer treatment plant. So basically we are one below basically where the water becomes drinkable. Mm -hmm. um, so at that concept, we can basically take that water and now water our golf area. Mm -hmm. My next big push is gonna be is uh, there's a gap missing on Woodward in our community. Mm -hmm. And uh, once we fix that sewer line there is to use uh, the old sewer line and feed, we already have it crossed over a uh, great wolf that came into our community. Mm -hmm. uh, they are actually run on reclaimed water. Okay. So inside, yeah. not the water slides, but all the, every other use inside mm -hmm. <laughs> right. um, is coming from the sewer treatment plan. And when we did that, we actually had run a line underneath 120 to go to the south also. Okay. Um, right. So that will allow us to run, once we complete that, the other, our largest park, which is Woodward Park, will also be able to run on Purple Pipe reclaimed water. Okay. And right. then yep. other thing that we've started with that is also all <clears throat> of our developments. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a requirement for developers to put in Purple Pipe already into the projects. Um, so that way the goal is one day um, every resident will be able to use um, for outdoor, uh, you know, reclaimed water and not potable water for for all those uses. So so that, that's another sustainability thing that I think is really good for our community coming that's forward. That's great. Yeah, and I, I'll just add, you know, those are great ideas. And of course, in the Bay Area, these have been discussed for many, many, many years, but very hard to actually implement. Uh, but if, if all of this takes place, there is another big opportunity, which is, um, using some of the uh, water um, for repurposing the water as well. There are bacteria, there are algae, there are many uh, organisms that, that mm -hmm. there are companies. Uh, if, if we connect with these companies, they will want to come here and uh, you know, have these tanks where they're actually, they can extract. Unfortunately, <laughs> in our water, wastewater systems, there are growth hormones. There are uh, all sorts of drugs. There are all, all these chemicals. And then if we don't, many of the system don't treat them very well. So there are some sustainability uh, companies that mm -hmm. have some organisms that can grow and pick these up and recycle, wow. and, you know, extract them. And so th th there are, there's a whole new industry 
that is developing um, with the wastewater system. So th this is this is a really important aspect, and I am glad to hear that that you know. So yeah, that you, that was that great, would be yeah. great one to you know. I would love to hear more information from you because I think there's so many avenues of having these things that are coming up and maybe they're not big enough companies where it's not maybe right. marketable or money-wise, but I think there's a great place for a partnership between private and public sector to help push these through that actually is also helping the environment and the communities on the long run. So definitely, I, I think that that sounds great. Um, yeah. And I think same thing, We there's another one I think you, you may be familiar with is that we do is we have digesters set up at our treatment plant um, that convert uh, fats, oils, and greases, mm -hmm. and and taking in our food waste and converting them into CNG fuel. Mm -hmm. So we're actually the only city in the first city in the area here in the valley to do that. Um, right. So what yeah. we've done now is uh, we have digesters in place where we take in food waste from restaurants. Eventually, mm -hmm. we're going to be rolling that out to all the residents for residential also. Um, but we take in that food waste. And so our garbage trucks bring that into the treatment plant and it converts into CNG fuel. And then our garbage trucks and our buses now are all run on CNG. So oh, we've now okay. completed great. the yeah. circle. And that's uh, that's that, great. So we got food food creating fuel on the other side. <laughs> yes. And back in and making a circle there. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing that I can see is that Mantika, even though it's growing, it is at a place where it is not so big yet that that things are harder to do so it, it is right. it is at a stage where these things are manageable and that's why there is this whole great potential to use technology along with the growth to benefit all the citizens whether they're uh, you know have been here longer time or new ones to kind of collaborate and work together support each other in the city yeah you know like yeah. you said we're, we're a large community but we're still a yeah. small community where you know everybody does uh, want the best, and we can work together, and and I think it, we have that opportunity where there's there there isn't so much red tape that you can't yeah. move things through, where you still can reach all the way to the top and figure out ideas, and and you can sit together at a table and figure out is this doable for our city or not, and that's where I think sometimes we miss the boat in some of the largest communities. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, this has been great. Thank you, uh, Gary. And, uh, you know, I uh, wish you all the best. And uh, it's certainly uh, work is not done. This is just a discussion. So uh, all the best with the election, but uh, as well as, uh, you know, uh, the future of uh, making the city uh, as uh, your vision, as your vision is. So thank you again uh, for joining on Terra Science. Yeah, thank you, Rajneesh, and I appreciate the time, and I would love to come back even after this and uh, talk about some different things that we're doing in our community and love to partner and learn anything that you can help um, to maybe make us better. Certainly. I, I will be in touch. Thank right. you. Thank you. You've been watching Terra Science, the podcast where reality matters. We discuss food, planet, consciousness, the issues that we face, and the solutions that can be offered. And we discuss with uh, wonderful guests who are leading the way in finding these solutions. Don't forget to like and subscribe and hit that notification bell.